0: A word of warning, this podcast explores graphic and disturbing stories and includes some strong language. It therefore may not be suitable for our young listeners or other folks who may find it disturbing. Welcome to True Crime Daily, the podcast. I'm Anna Garcia. This is part two of our investigation into the case of Ahmaud Arbery, a young African-American man who was killed on February 23rd, 2020, while out for a jog in Brunswick, Georgia. A video showing Ahmad's death sparked outrage across the nation and has led to the arrest of Travis and Gregory McMichael. The man who recorded the infamous video, William Roddy Bryan, has also been arrested. The three are charged with murder. The McMichaels say that they were just making a citizen's arrest because they believed that Ahmad Arbery had burglarized a home under construction. He had not burglarized a home, according to the homeowner and according to the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. Brian, who videotaped the incident, says that he was just a witness and not a participant. The three men all claim that they are innocent. Their attorneys declined to be interviewed for this program, but they say when the full story comes out, their clients will be vindicated. The case stalled for two months until the video went public. Then, run with Maude became the chant for change, that is, until George Floyd died under the knee of a Minneapolis police officer. And while the national conversation has understandably shifted to police brutality in the case of George Floyd, the Ahmad Arbery case has yet to be fully told, maybe because so much of it happened in the shadow of a pandemic. This case has been plagued by conflicts of interest from the start, because Gregory McMichael was a former police officer and district attorney investigator. The case is on its fourth prosecutor in as many months. Ahmad Arbery's family has said from the beginning that this is about racism. Just recently released testimony from the Georgia Bureau of Investigation supports that. This is special agent in charge, Richard Dial. Your investigation
1: uncovered any evidence that race played a role. As far as my opinion of motivation and reasons behind the tactics. Well, I think your opinion hurt Yes, sir, it did. You believe it did? Yes, sir.
0: Agent Dial testified that Travis McMichael allegedly called Ahmad Arbery the N-word after he shot him.
1: After the shooting took place, before police arrival, Mr. Arbery was on the ground. He heard Travis McMichael make the statement
0: in this podcast, we will look into the circumstances of Ahmad Arbery's death as well as long-standing allegations of police corruption. The more we researched this case, the more we found connections between Ahmad Arbery and Gregory McMichael, learning that February 23rd may not have been the first time that these two met. Ahmad Arbery's mother, Wanda Cooper-Jones, says that while she was consumed with grief, of course, about the death of her son, but there were early indications that what police were telling her were not adding up, especially about how they identified Ahmad so quickly. He didn't have any ID on him, did he, when he was running? No, ma'am, he did not. He didn't even have a cell phone. He did not. He didn't have anything. If he had anything,
2: it probably was an iPod that he was listening to his music. And that was it. Because I found his cell phone. And his wallet was in his room. They did an, 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 a positive identification, and not only that, they knew where he lived, and they knew who he belonged to. So, that's question is that I haven't got answers
0: to as well. So, do you think it's possible that Gregory McMichael knew exactly who Ahmad was? I do
2: think that there, someone knew Ahmad. Ahmad wasn't a stranger to any to, to somebody. That somebody was positive. Uh, Ahmad was identified before he was killed. You know, someone knew who he was before they killed him.
0: Because, again, he did not have any ID on him when he was killed. He didn't even have a cell phone. He didn't have keys. He didn't have anything.
2: Nothing. And this happened at one o eight in the afternoon, and they called me at 6.30, so... There was enough to, not enough time between that time frame to, for them to pull dental records or anything of that nature as well.
0: Did you or anyone in your family end up identifying Ahmad at the morgue? No, ma'am. Ahmad's paternal aunt, Thea Brooks, is very suspicious. I really think it was planned.
3: I mean, because Ahmad ran every day. So, from what we've been told by people that live out there that they've seen him in the neighborhood a couple of times. And he's never bothered anyone. So I just felt like he was just targeted for being him. Because I haven't heard that there are any other African-Americans running through there. Even the videos that we saw from other people visiting the home, he was the only African-American that we saw visit that home. But there have been other people visiting the home from the videos that they released. Actually, like a couple, of men and a lady went in one time together, uh, so why not bother them?
0: According to published reports, Ahmaud Arbery and Gregory McMichael at least knew of each other. McMichael worked as an investigator in the Brunswick District Attorney's Office. Ahmaud Arbery had two prior convictions. In 2013, Ahmaud was arrested for bringing a gun to a high school basketball game, and he was given probation. Then in 2017, he pleaded guilty to shoplifting a television set from Walmart with his friends. He was sentenced to five years probation. Ahmad's second arrest triggered an investigation into his probation status. That investigation was led by Gregory McMichael, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In 2018, McMichael and his team reportedly revoked Arbery's probation. And here's what else the newspaper found. George Barnhill's son was a prosecutor in that office and that he worked on that revocation case. George Barnhill was the second DA to review Arbery's killing. Barnhill was forced to recuse himself because his son worked with Gregory McMichael. Barnhill is the DA who declared within the first 24 hours of Arbery's death, that the McMichaels had acted in self-defense and they would not be prosecuted for Arbery's death. Emma Hurt is a correspondent for the NPR affiliate in Atlanta, WABE, and she says that Gregory McMichael had all sorts of issues while working at the district attorney's office. What can you tell us about Gregory and Travis McMichael?
4: What we know about... I know more about Gregory because I've been able to see his personnel files um, from the police department and the district attorney's office. And um, he worked in the police department for, I think, two years and then was at the district attorney's office for a few for more than 20. And um, one thing we did learn about Gregory McMichael's time as investigator in the district attorney's office was that there were several moments when he lost certain certifications. He wasn't... um, attending the proper training hours. And he lost his, with those violations, he lost his right to arrest and his use of deadly force certification at various points. And he blamed, he wrote, you know, uh, he wrote a memo explaining why trying to ask for a waiver to get his um, certification back. And I should say, this is all certification to be a sworn officer, to hold, carry a gun and and be able to arrest someone. What can you
0: tell us about the Glynn County Police Department?
4: So the Glynn County Police Department has had more than its share of scandals and drama, putting it simply, um, in recent years. And um, it lost its accreditation in 2018 from the state for a, a long list of things, but just not Following proper policies and not having certain policies properly implemented. And so it's kind of it's right now the subject of uh, reform. There's a um, an advisory panel that's been organized by the county government that's job is to try to guide it towards towards its accredi- getting its accreditation back.
0: The Glen County Police Department had been under investigation since 2017 when allegations surfaced that a cop in the narcotics squad was having sex with an informant. The squad was disbanded, but the alleged corruption persisted. Disciplinary records went missing and the evidence room was not up to code. The Georgia Bureau of Investigation was brought in and a grand jury was convened. Just five days after Ahmaud Arbery's killing, the police chief, John Powell, was indicted on four counts that included influencing a witness. The chief has been placed on leave, but he refuses to resign. He says that he is innocent and he plans on fighting the charges. All of those problems have led to calls to get rid of this department entirely and just have the sheriff take over policing the area. Civil rights attorney Chris Stewart is representing Ahmad's mother. This is from the grand jury investigation into the Glynn County Police Department. There is an ongoing culture of cover-up, failure to supervise, abuse of power, and lack of accountability within the administration of the Glynn County Police Department. This is the same police department tasked with figuring out what happened that day on Satilla Drive.
5: Yeah, and you would think that their district attorney, Jackie Johnson, who knew of all this, who has prosecuted some of the cops for corruption and different things, um, would know. I need to get GBI immediately involved because I know the local police department can't handle this because they're about to be indicted or, you know, the grand jury's about to happen. Let me get GBI involved because I know their history. But she didn't do that.
0: Can you explain to me what your concern is as far as the actual physical evidence and the collecting of evidence at the time of Ahmad's killing?
5: Yeah, we we don't know all of the details of exactly what they did or didn't do yet. But we do know that the GBI said that as soon as they got the foul, after a little legwork that they added, the foul was ready to prosecute. So they just, no one had taken action on it. So they must have had clearly enough evidence to put both of the McMichaels and Roddy in handcuffs. No one just ever took action to do it.
0: Reverend James Woodall is the president of the Georgia NAACP. And way before the Ahmad Arbery video was released, Reverend Woodall was working with the family in their quest for justice. Reverend Woodall joins us now. Thank you and welcome to the program.
6: Thank you, Anna. I'm so grateful to be here and I look forward to our conversation on today.
0: Do you believe that this was Just about Ahmad being black, or was it also about the fact that Gregory McMichael was former law enforcement and friends with everybody in the system?
6: I think this case has to do with a few things. One being that, you know, Gregory McMichael has had numerous infractions of, uh, you know, professional misconduct. Uh, and is one of the reasons why he had to retire last year
0: you're but saying because of his failure to certify in certain areas and keep his certification up to date
6: that that's correct and one of the certifications that he had to keep up to date that he did not was use of force and that is so important for this case because that was the entire justification in his eyes at least as to why he murdered ahmad aubrey however, what we look at is They felt like the law gave them every right to do what they did from the 23rd of February till today, in many respects, still feel justified in what they did. And the way that we know this is because they were the ones who released the video. They were the ones who called the police. They were the ones who literally would go out into the community and and talk with people, try to get the other videos and, and take pictures and and had their family members waiting on them, you know, taking snapshot photos of a body that's literally laying in the street. There was not any remorse for what they did. This was
0: not a mistake. This was intentional behavior. DA Barnhill's recusal letter brought up Arbery's prior criminal history as a factor in his own death. He writes, prior convictions help explain his apparent aggressive nature and his possible thought pattern to attack an armed man. Then, two police body cam videos from 2017 are released, and one shows Arbery being arrested on that shoplifting charge. they arrest for shoplifting. shoplifting, yeah, shoplifting.
2: yeah,
5: you, have the, right to r-
0: TV, you have
5: the right to remain silent. Anything you say can't be re- y- against you. you in a court of law. You have the right to speak to an attorney and have an attorney present during any question. If any time you can't afford an attorney, it won't be provided for your government expense. Knowing and understanding of your rights. Did I explained them to you? Are you one to answer any questions on attorney presence? Answer that very wisely. Yes or no? Stand up.
0: The other shows police questioning Arbery, who was just sitting in his car, listening to music and rapping. Police questioned him why he was alone, and the officer asked to search his car, but Arbery, within his legal rights, said, no, you have no right to search my car. Arbery is clearly agitated by what many see as The harassment of a young black man. He is searched for weapons and he is asked to get on the ground. When the second officer arrives, he attempts to tase Arbery, but his taser malfunctions. Toward the end of the incident, you can feel and you can hear Ahmad's frustration at being picked on.
3: I'm rapping. I rap, bro. I rap. I'm still debating my day. I got one day off a week. One day. One day off a week. I'm trying to chill on my day off, bro. I'm up I got early you. in the morning
0: trying to chill. How how does that affect what's going on with this case and how people feel about it?
5: Yeah, well, it was an attempt uh, once again to just try and attack the victim, um, but it backfired once again. People saw exactly what you just said: someone who had not broken a law and was being harassed for being in a park, sitting in his car, rapping to himself. I, I mean, geez, what? What, what, what do you want him to be doing? He's not breaking the law. He's sitting in his own vehicle. He's in a public park, in a public area. Um, and it just showed he followed commands. He listened to the officers. He was frustrated. I would be frustrated if you just start getting harassed and asked again, where do you work? And you're telling people, this is my only day off. I didn't break a law. I didn't do anything. Why are you even questioning me or messing with me? I didn't do anything. Um, so it, you know, this happens, you know, when, when you become a victim in a case that has gone viral, it's very public, your entire life is going to be dug through anything you've ever done. If you shoplifted something, when you were 10 years old, it's going to be on the front page of a newspaper because you become dissected, even though your murder was caught on tape.
0: Further victimizing the victim here.
5: Yes, it's 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 just what happens, um, you know. And it's sad, but you know, if it's a African American victim, they're going to have their character assassinated again.
3: We knew that they were going to probably try to say things not only towards us, but like they're doing now to try to assassinate Ahmad's character by pulling up old videos from when he was a teenager. And trying to use that to justify what happened to him.
0: When those videos, the police body cam videos, were released a few weeks ago that showed uh, an interaction with Ahmad, he was sitting in his car. It was his day off. He said he was just singing, rapping. And the police never did charge him with anything, but they almost did tase him. And you could see Ahmad's frustration, you know, trying to explain, I haven't done anything. Why are you bothering me? What do you think that is symbolic of?
6: It's not only symbolic, but it's, li- it's the literal story of black life in America. That every single day that you step foot out in, in, in this world, in this nation, that you are literally subjected to the kind of terror and violence and harassment from law enforcement and from other people. And he literally was doing nothing wrong. Yet still, he obliged. He listened to the instruction of the officer. Officer told him to pick up his, pull up his hands. You know, he told him to get on the ground. He told him, you know, I'm a you. I'm he did all those things and he obliged 100%. Yes, still another officer comes onto the scene and, and, and unless it was due to the malfunction of his machine that the tase would have literally got him. He would have been injured that day. Have you looked at those videos?
2: Mm-hmm. No, I don't have And I chose not to because that was my son in the living state. I don't want to see him. I want to see if I see Ahmad in the living state, I want Ahmad to be standing before me. And in those videos, Ahmad had a chance of life. And at this point, he doesn't have that.
0: Was there something going on that year in twenty seventeen? The that year that he was arrested on the shoplifting charge was was there something going on? Was he having a hard time?
2: My mom was here in my home. Um, th- there was some challenges that we had as a family that we were working toward. Um, something that that I, I remained a mother, total support to a mom and anything that he had done. I was full. I was full aware that he had done that, and I stood. But I stood beside him, and we was going to keep. We was going to keep it. Keep it moving forward. So it was, I mean, we did. I mean, we did have some challenges, but it wasn't
0: the challenges that we could not overcome. And did you feel that years later, and right before his death, that Ahmad grew up and had his life together? I would often see him
2: getting discouraged on the things he had done in the past. And I would say to him, "Ahmad, I mean, people will often remind you of the things that has happened in the past, but we, we will not let the past determine our future. Anything that you choose to do, he knew that I, I will stand beside him with total support.
0: And where was he in the last part of his life? Had had he moved past that? Did he did he have renewed hope?
2: I can honestly say that Ahmad was on the right path. We had plans of him returning to school, um, taking up the trade as an electrician, like my brothers are. I I can honestly say that I think that Ahmad. I mean Ahmad was ready. He was ready to take on life again.
0: The fact that. D.A. Barnhill has already made his opinion known that he thought it was self-defense, that they were trying to make a citizen's arrest. Uh, Do you think that the McMichaels have at all any standing in that defense? You think it's possible that a jury in Georgia is going to believe that?
5: Yeah, it, 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 it doesn't apply, which is the crazy thing. Legally, citizen's arrest does not apply to this situation. You know, my thing is just follow the law. You cannot uh, chase someone down, draw weapons on them, and uh, not inform them, hey, you're under arrest or anything like that. They just said, we want to talk to you from what the police uh, report said. They're driving in a pickup truck with a man on the back holding a 357. Uh Travis gets out of the truck holding, brandishing a shotgun while Ahmad is just jogging. He tries to avoid them and get away. Um, they unlawfully detain him and, and murder him. It just doesn't apply. They did not see a felony get committed. They, they did not. They didn't see a felony get committed. Um, they didn't see any crime get committed when they decided to chase after him. You cannot perform a citizen's arrest in that fashion. Um, it just doesn't apply. And it was just an attempt by uh, District Attorney Barnhill to justify any legal action.
0: The three men charged with Mod Arbery's murder say that it was self-defense, but at the pre-trial hearing, the GBI and the prosecutor said it was otherwise. You are of the
1: opinion that this was not self-defense by Mr. B. Michael? I don't believe it was self-defense by Mr. Michael. I believe it was self-defense by Mr. Alvin. I'm a Yes, but, uh, I believe and- Mr. being pursued. He frankly couldn't run anymore. And it's turning back to a man with a shotgun or or fight bare hand against the man with a shotgun. He chose to fight. And not to run through a side yard or not to run through another yard or anything like that. I think his thing was to I believe Mr. Aubrey's decision was to just try to get away. When he felt like he could not escape, he chose to fight. On February the twenty third of two thousand and twenty, victim Ahmad Aubrey was chased, hunted down, and ultimately executed at the hands of these men. He was on a run on public roadway in a public subdivision. He was defenseless and he was unarmed. The fact of the matter is that there's um, no evidence that these defendants saw a burglary, saw any crime. Mr. Arbor was tormented, he was hunted, he was targeted. These men admitted that. You can't turn around and use the words self-defense and justification as some sort of magic talisman to make those facts disappear. Ahmad had zero obligation to stop in the face of these two pursuing pickup trucks, one with two armed non-law enforcement civilians who literally chased them through a public neighborhood and a public roadway and gunned them down in broad daylight.
6: We want a repeal of the citizens of arrest law. That law is a outdated and racist statute on the books of Georgia's uh, official code that literally allowed for people to become enslaved again after the Emancipation Proclamation. As long as I saw you as an African American, as a, as a Negro, we were able to literally call out to you and call you a slave, and that made you into one. It's what we call the Prolocutionary Acts of Enslavement. And so the citizens' arrest literally did that it identified people who were African American as non citizen and thus criminal.
0: Can you comment on your opinion as far as whether this is a hate crime and whether it should be looked into as a hate crime?
5: Of course it is. And, and the district, the DOJ, is looking at possible hate crime. Um, they only went after him because they saw a black male jogging running by. They did not see a crime. They did not know who that was, uh, from what we know. They just saw him running by. You chase someone because of their color. You killed them because of that base of their color. You saw black men running by and and it led to murder. So that is the definition.
0: But Georgia does not have a hate crime law, correct?
5: We don't, but the federal statute would apply here. Um, And that's why the DOJ, we were happy that they're officially involved is because they have the power uh, to bring a hate crime.
0: Now, what about the fact that Georgia does not have a hate crime law? Do you think that this might change that?
6: Well, we've seen signal from the governor, the lieutenant governor, the speaker of the house, the Georgia Legislative Black Caucus, and several legislators that they have the potential or the political appetite to pass this legislation. Georgia is one of four states without a hate crime law. But I also wanted to be very clear that, you know, hate crime laws are great and we need them here in the state of Georgia. But we cannot stop there. We must continue to do everything we can do to ensure that every life is not only protected, but also saved.
0: Do you think anyone would have really believed what you all believe happened if this videotape didn't exist?
3: No, ma'am. They wouldn't have believed it. Um and then after that video was released, and you see the other video is released of him actually just standing in the home now. So it's like. He was still doing no wrongs. So either way, he was killed
0: senselessly. Louis Bolaños, a former police officer and private investigator is working with the Arberry family.
1: I think it's going to help more people understand, but I think there's also uh, folks out there. I don't care how much video I have. They'll never believe it. The, the McMichaels will have a support group to some extent forever, sadly, uh, so it doesn't matter what you sell them. They're going to continue believing in what they want to believe uh, and justify it.
4: Something that has become abundantly clear as attention um, has been placed on the criminal justice system in Brunswick and Glynn County is the lack of representation, particularly of African-Americans in the criminal justice system. There's no black prosecutors in the Glynn County District Attorney's Office by my reporting, there's only one practicing black lawyer based in Glynn County.
0: Do you believe that there are others in the community down there in Satilla Shores or elsewhere that you think need to either be investigated or prosecuted?
6: Well, I'm in, in full honesty and transparency, I don't know. Um, I I do know this, though, that this kind of behavior does not happen isolated. There has to be a cleansing of the soul in, in, in the county of Glen, from the shores of St. Simon to the offices of the district attorney's office, to the uh, Brunswick Police Department, to the county commission, to each and every family on the streets and in that community, that there has to be a change, a change that will not kill more people. A change that will hold people accountable when they break the law. A change that will allow for every single person to have the opportunity at the life, the liberty, and the pursuit of happiness that is granted to us by our divine creator. That is, only, that is the only thing that we can do to ensure that this never happens again.
0: Once you strip away the murder case, the alleged corruption, the social injustice, at its core, this is a story about a mother who lost her youngest child, her baby boy who was born on Mother's Day. And no amount of justice is ever going to fill the hole in her heart. I've read that he was always interested in being a pro football player. Is that, at what point did he realize that that fabulous dream maybe was not going to happen for him?
2: Um, Once he reached his high school year, I mean, that's every high school football player's dream is to play in the NFL. But at some point, um, he had a reality check that he didn't. He didn't get a scholarship to play football, and we had to to pinch with some other. We had to some other revenues. We it wasn't a thing that it was offered, so we didn't. We, we couldn't consider that.
0: So, what did Amon do after high
2: school? He went to a technical college, South Georgia Technical College, um, here in America's Georgia, and he was taking some classes to become an electrician.
0: And so over the next few years, uh, as Ahmad's becoming a young man and, and making his own way, where would you say Ahmad was in his life um, prior to his killing? He was at home with
2: me. And actually, he was, um, we was having discussions about him returning to school in the fall. So the plan was we was going to put a plan in place where he can go back to school and say oh, August of September of this year.
0: Now, he was also working at this time, right?
2: He was working with his father. His father owns a a car wash and a landscaping business, and he was helping his father out.
0: How would you describe Ahmad as a young man?
2: Ahmad was he was caring. Ahmad was kind. Ahmad was well raised, and I'm not saying that because I'm his mother, but Ahmad was a young man that would say thank you and please and yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Ahmad. And I don't want to take all the credit from that, but that's just the way I raised him to be uh, to be generous
3: and to be kind.
0: Ahmad's aunt, Thea is still trying to process the loss, and she says that Ahmad's father is really struggling.
3: And I'm going to be with my brother through all of this. Um, it's been a really, really rough time for him. Um He tries to put his best on the outside for the world. But when all the cameras go away, and he's at home and he doesn't have all these people calling, he's a different person. He's not the same. So I have to continue to run with my, to keep my brother up to run for his son as well because there are really some dark days in his house. And sometimes I call and he doesn't answer. So I get worried. So I find myself. I want to check on him just to make sure that he's okay because some days I just feel like he's not okay. And So I have to run with Maude for Maude until something happens, until my brother is okay.
0: And when you see people wearing the t-shirts, run with Maude, or the, the, the joggers who go out and do laps in your son's memory, does any of that help you heal or, or warm your heart?
2: Um, I would like to say first, I'm very grateful because two months before this, we had no support from no level. And now that we have a level of support at this abundance, it, it really gives us hope. It makes And I'm very, as you know, I'm very, very, very thankful Because for so long the family be stood alone. Ahmad was loved. Ahmad was a victim. Ahmad did not deserve to leave this world the way that he did. And to all the joggers and to all the support that we're that we're getting, I wish that you all could, all of you guys, could have got to know Ahmad for who he was. Because to know Ahmad was to love Ahmad.
0: Four prosecutors later, the murder case of Ahmad Arbery is moving through the court system at a very slow pace, mostly because of a backup from the pandemic. At the time of this recording, preliminary hearings had already begun. There are multiple state and federal investigations into possible misconduct by the first two prosecutors. And let's not forget the unrelated corruption investigation into the Glynn County Police Department. While the actual criminal case is about three white men who apparently took the law into their own hands and killed a man, the wider question remains. Did a white criminal justice system in Southern Georgia protect one of their own at the expense of justice for a young black man? We will continue to follow this case and update it For True Crime Daily, the podcast. I'm Anna Garcia. Thanks for joining us.